Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I'm just going to start by saying go blue. Well, it's Wednesday. We are back. Wednesday, we baby. Did come back on a Wednesday. A little early today, Chris. You got a big you got a big night ahead of you. I do. I, my son is doing a concert with with his with his classmates for their their music class or whatever. And so I knew it was tonight, but didn't really, you know, think of the show schedule and what we were trying to do. But man, I'm excited for that. He's gonna be playing an instrument, he's gonna be up there singing, and so I'm jacked. Good times, man. Well, yeah. if there's never been a reason to move the show, that's it, dude. So no big deal. We'll see how many people drop by at five o'clock on a Wednesday, but this will be here and live on forever. Like all of them. You ever think about that? Everything we say and do on here is just, it's there forever. Well, not only is it there, but it's like out there. Like it could, like this could be the signal that aliens pick up. You don't know what signal they're going to get and which one's going to make it far. It could be me and you. Hopefully it is, man. I know you're big on the alien thing, right? Oh, Huge on the alien. I am for those of you for, for 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 anybody that doesn't know out there. I I not only do I help with like you know the Michigan uh, athletic sort of thing and and the social media stuff, but I also am an ancient astronaut theorist. Oh, so you know, for, there's photo evidence to support that. If you know, you know. Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the track off the track a little bit. Real, oh no, what the hell are you doing, okay. dude? <laughs> what were you thinking about, bro? For those of you who are going to be listening to this after the fact and can't see, oh my God. Chris, he, he stirred it up. He stirred the pot all the I, way up. I, I by my ass kicked. Alternate uniforms for mission. Well, really just an alternate helmet. The uniform just a helmet. He's, he inverted the helmet. So blue wings, maize shell, not well received. And not only oh. was it not well received, people now hate you. So that's awesome. I think there were some people that told me, uh, like, I shouldn't have even been born for even like considering even making the swap. You know, I don't know. I mean, you and I were we're creative guys. We like to tinker with things a little bit. And I, you know, conceptually, I think it's always fun to sort of tinker around. Will that actually happen? I don't know. But when I saw it and I put it together, I was like, you know what? I don't hate that as much as I thought I would because I saw other versions of that years ago. I've, I've seen people yeah. have been pitching that idea for a long time. So I thought it would throw it together, but my Lord, the blowback, the blowback was just impressive. Everybody I mean, hates Chris. It's true. I, <laughs> it's not, it's not a good couple of weeks for people named Chris. Oh, bad stretch for Chris's out there. Speak. I don't even want to get into that story. My boy, Chris, my buddy that lives down in South Carolina, hell of a last couple of days, police involved, weird stuff. With oh, this girl no. he's being. Wow. Strange times everywhere. So if your name is Chris out there, CJ, are you a Chris? Do you have any weird stuff going on? I see CJ Frazier always active in the comments. Appreciate that. I don't know if your name is Chris or not, but anyway. So here's the deal with the uniforms, dude. We were, I think, didn't you pull this up maybe and show it to me when we were getting ready before the spring game? Yeah, it was actually, we were, we were at the coffee, the, what, the drip house, drip house across yeah. the street, you know, having a, having a coffee, uh, you know, pulled it out, showed it to you immediately. You told me you hated it, but it was like, you know, it was like, well, yeah. what time was that? Three fifty-eight. <laughs> pulled it out, showed it to you. Thank you for that. 
really appreciate that. Uh, I don't like I I I just don't like maize all that much in general. I probably I'll probably get crucified for even saying that. I know it's like Michigan's famous you know color maize and blue, but like the all maize uniforms, maize jerseys, maize pants. I'm not a big fan of that. It's just too much too much yellow for my liking. So when you put it on the helmet, same type of deal. I I. I fall somewhere in the middle of like, don't ever touch the helmets and like tweak them maybe a little bit. Yeah, I see you also like the, there there was a blue wing concept, right? Like a dark blue base with a lighter blue wing. So, you know, and and I think what people don't understand is that helmet has been, it's subtle, but it's been tinkered with a lot over the years from the gray face mask, the blue face mask, and the numbers on the side, the the shape of the wing has changed. The decals have changed quite a bit. The front bumper, the back bumper, even the tones, the colors have changed. And so I know it's an iconic helmet, but I mean, Michigan has, has made considerable. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has made a ton of change. The shape of the wing now versus what it was two years ago, it's, it's not even close to being the same thing. And so it's, it's gone through quite a bit of change, but the bottom line is ease up off my back. <laughs> ease up off. Like, give give me a, give me a break here. And when, when Michigan went to the Jordan brand, they, they switched all the stuff on the helmet over that used to be white, all the traditional, like the yeah. chin strap, the bumper on the front, the little rider piece on the back, all of that switched over to like a dark blue as well. And now the Love helmet it. is matte. It, I mean, it's different. It is, it's been changed, but yes, the colors haven't been changed. Maybe like the shade has been changed a little bit. Obviously the yellow was a little brighter back when they had the Adidas. It switched down to a little more uh, like maize, a little more of a, you know, an orangish yellow color now. But anyway, I just don't think a ton of maize is is just a good color look like for your eyeballs. Like that's just that's just how it hits me. So putting yellow on the helmet, I feel like is it's just more of what I don't love in the first place. But yeah, the one you you, you and know. everybody else like it can go to hell. Do you, do you have the one on your phone like easily accessible? The 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 midnight blue, like the ice. I don't. You had oh, you had the, a trendy little name for it. The the sub zero alternates. There it is. The, the, yeah yeah. I can, I could pull those up while we're talking. So it's They're basically the same here. color shell with like a slightly different blue tone for the that wave. was that was received a little bit better uh, by by the masses for sure. There wasn't much. I mean, it, but still, it's you know, it's different. It's very yeah. different from what they normally do. I don't know. I'll try to find it and pull it. So up anyway, it's in there somewhere. But yeah, that's just funny. I didn't <laughs> I didn't really know we were going to talk about that. But Chris was like, oh, dude. I got dragged. I got dragged. well, well, John, you bacon, even John, you bacon Hill. on Twitter. Like John, you bacon came at me. Come on. Even K-U-B. the baconator had a even problem with, with your helmet edit. Unbelievable. But that's what it is, man. There are a few there. I mean, there's a handful of programs in the country. I mean, like, dude, even Notre Dame changed their helmets up. Like they have an iconic helmet. Notre Dame. The- didn't they put pinstripes on their helmet yeah, on it one time? Half of it yeah. was blue. Half of it was gold. Like, They've changed theirs a lot more. Um, and you talk about like an iconic helmet, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like there's it's no shade, but it's yeah, absolutely, absolutely up there with yeah. Michigan's. <clears throat> so maybe it's because it's just a solid color that it's a little easier to accept the change. You, you take an entire design element off of Michigan's helmet and it's like, you know, I don't know, whatever. But it's always funny, dude. I mean, you put stuff out there like that and people just they lose their mind. <laughs> no, really, no, no. Like Michigan's getting wet, ready to sign a contract to wear them for the next 10 already years. Done. I've already talked to Ross. There about you go. It. It's already, it's already happening. All right. Well, Andrew said we were going to talk about this maybe towards the end, but go ahead, Chris, your baby, the store dropped today. 
Yes, the store dropped today. I appreciate that, uh, Andrew, bringing up. That was a that's a long time in the making, man. I've done uh, like small limited releases on the snapback hats and some of the um, you know some of the other apparel that I've come out with, and they've sold really well every single time. But it's a lot of work on my end, and so fortunately, I was able to find a uh, local company, Ann Arbor, the Ann Arbor T-shirt company. You know, they're helping me out with this pop up store, and you know, it's going to be available or open for like two weeks. And so, get in there. You know, if if you want to grab one of those hats, I know a lot. Of people didn't get them the last time they came out. Get out, snag them up. We're going to take a look at what the numbers look like. And then the next step is going to be the permanent store. So this is mm-hmm. kind of just like, you know, dipping our foot into the water. Yeah, CJ, it is about time. I appreciate it. Thank you for ordering. Um, and it should be some cool stuff, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to expand on it. And I think the benefit is that it's not just for winged helmet apparel. But my ultimate goal with this is to use this as a vessel for NIL and, and yeah. help the players get paid. I mean, you know, say what you want about Brandon and I and maybe how hard we can be on the program. We've paid those athletes now well over $5,000 out of our own pocket because we're, we're able to do that now. and We want to continue to do those things. And I think that with a store like this, it's just one more opportunity for us to do that as soon as we get a couple green lights from, from U of M. So appreciate it, Andrew. And I appreciate anybody that, that makes the purchase and reps the brand. There you go, Chris. Grab the ha- grab the hat off the shelf back there and give John Patrick a rundown real quick of what so that's got. interesting. So a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people are confused about it. They don't get what it is. Um, shout out to Bradley Paskovich, who I I had a different logo originally, and Bradley he was like he was a contributing writer when I was just doing the winged helmet, and I had my own website, and I showed him this logo. Or I showed him a logo before, and he was like, "That looks like shit. I don't get it." <laughs> <laughs> and that was how I got to this logo. And so without him and that honest feedback, we wouldn't be here. But long story short, basically what it is, is the W stands for winged. When you turn it on its side, the H is helmet. When you turn it upside down, you got the M for Michigan. When you keep flipping it, I mean, it keeps going. So you can do hail, you can do, you know, you flip it back up. You got the double V for Victor's Valiant. It's just one symbol that I think captures a lot about Michigan, but it's a cool way to rep Michigan without having to always be, maize or blue or a block m or something like that you can switch it up a little bit especially since we're not really allowed to do that so there, there you go. go there you go I mean, this way we can you know stamp something on there that's branded a little more personal for chris obviously something you started what 2016 somewhere 2017 2017 june or july of 2017 and so so there you have it there you have it john that's the breakdown of the logo and chris has got that bad boy emblazoned on the back of his arm for the rest of his life too I didn't even think for life that. For life. For life. All right. Well, it's been a handful of days now, Chris, but the spring game was on Saturday. The Mays team and the blue team. Uh, the blue team won 20 to 12. I'm going to come right out and say it. I thought the game was boring as hell. All right. That's fine. <laughs> it's still football in April. I was excited to be there. Me and you were pumped ro- rolling up to the stadium like we always are. You got to be down on the field shooting photos for the first time. Didn't exactly go awesomely. Uh, you can maybe touch on that if you if you want to. Yeah. But but it was still football in April. We still did get to see a couple things. Got to see a couple of the early enrolled freshmen. Got to see a couple guys playing some new positions. Uh, moderately comp- moderately competitive game back and forth. One team getting steak. The other team getting hot dogs. Cool day. But I think it fell a little flat. And I'm going to get into why in a minute. I mean, it's pretty obvious why, I think. But what were your just generic blanket thoughts on the day itself and being there and the spring game and the format and all that good stuff? Yeah, I think like you said, to me, my my experience was considerably different. I was, you know, I was frantically running around on the sidelines trying to, you know, trying to capture. I mean, you when you're down there and you're in the mix, 
that you're, you know, and you want to do that thing. You're like a kid in a candy store. There's, there's something to shoot everywhere. And like Brandon said, you know, it was kind of my, my lens went out. My lens took a shit. So I'm, I'm down, I'm down there on the field, Michigan stadium. I'm right in the mix and my lens doesn't work. And so like, I had a very small window to where like, a player would get within the focus. Zoom. The zoom was the, the focus. Right. The, the focus in the zoom wouldn't work. And so it wasn't until a player got within like the perfect distance where I could click. And so I think I had to take about 5,000 photos. I tried to salvage about a hundred of them, took the lens in. You guys don't care about that, but what, you know, we'd like to be able to provide better content and better photos than that. But unfortunately the lens took a shit. So my experience for the spring game was, I was bummed out because I couldn't get good photos when I went back and watched it. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, Darius Clemens looked really good and I'm excited about some of those other guys. But I think the point you alluded to was everybody wanted to see Cade versus JJ and don't get me wrong. Davis Warren put on a hell of a show. And I think, you know, people are obviously talking about him more than they were prior to the spring game, but this battle comes down to, to McCarthy and McNamara. And that was what people wanted to see. And I think it's a bummer that, that you didn't get to see it. Yeah. So, that obviously the the probably the most intriguing player on the entire roster is out hurt still and um will be back shortly we'll get into that in a little bit jj's timetable for return and what that means and what that looks like but so that was a bummer Cade played not very much he's in the white jersey you know playing quarterback for both teams a little bit but didn't hardly play very much both of the top flight running backs didn't play very much ronnie bell still out dinged up a little bit so like a lot of the most exciting parts of the team weren't even visible on Saturday. The other part is from a team standpoint, I totally understand. And and actually not only do I understand, I think it's probably the right way to do things, drafting the teams, making it into a competition, turning it into something fun, but also a little bit, you know, a little bit fierce. I mean, you want, you want them to get after it. You want them to want to win. You got to put something on the line. In this case, it was again, steaks versus hot dogs. And and that's cool. And let me just say, let me just say, those hot dogs, those were not boiled. I saw pictures of them. We had Zach Zinner on the show, right, and he was right. talking about boiled glizzies. Those things had a bit of a char to them, so that's like gourmet stuff. That's not gourmet quite as dogs. bad as I thought it was going to be. Gourmet dogs, but you you create a little bit of energy and a little bit of like build up to that Saturday. It's in the big house. You got fans. It's on TV. It's competitive. It's maize versus blue. I get all that. I support it. I endorse it. I actually think from a team standpoint, that's probably the way to roll. But from an analyst standpoint and from a fan standpoint, I would love to see ones on ones. I would love to see starters on starters for maybe a quarter. And then you filter in something more along the lines of what we saw. Because again, in the spring game as well, for the last two and a half quarters, it was a bunch of guys we're never going to see play. Cool to see the freshmen. I'm glad that the freshmen got out there, the young, the early enrolled guys. Will Johnson looked great. Derek Moore looked like a man. Darius Orgy. was really good. Orgy looked like a beast. He, you know, he looks like a running threat already. Mason Graham, I'll be honest, I didn't watch him super closely, but he looks the part. He's big. He's stout. Looks like he might be able to provide some depth in the middle there. So that's fun to see the freshmen, and it doesn't really matter where they play or you know on what on what uh, where I, where on the depth chart they are. But I would have loved to see the the number one O line right now go up against whoever's. That's the thing. We I like who's number one along the D line and O line. We don't even know, right. and that's probably partially by design too. And that's what my next question is going to be, Chris. Is this? That is this because I think it. I already think it is. Harbaugh is doing this because this is how he does this thing. But if 
No, I'm going to ask it that way. Is this intentionally done so that way we can't see anything and Harbaugh can keep his secrets like he likes to do so much? Can't see the ones, don't want to give too much away, and how much does that even freaking matter in April? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it matters. I mean, part I of it, you know, I, I go back I to like, <clears throat> that's why I want to see it as well. And I, you know, I, when you look around the country, there's other programs that, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to name them off. I'm not going to rattle them off, but there's other programs that'll go out and put on a show and you'll see, you know, 50 points put on the board and you'll see the offense. And, and to me, look, I'm, they're big 10 champions, champions. They got it done. I'm not, you know, I'm not critical of what they do, but to me, it's like, I feel like going out there and seeing that offense humming along is something that builds a lot of confidence and momentum going into the summer where you're going to have a long gap before you come back for fall camp. And so, yeah, I would have loved to have seen, you know, Cade go out and go 13 for 15 and put a couple in the end zone and, and see that kind of performance. And unfortunately we didn't get to see that. How much can you draw out of that? How much of that is Harbaugh just, you know, not seeing it as a necessity, uh, there might be some of that there, but I mean, has you, have you ever seen an exciting Michigan spring game where they're lighting it up? No, it just doesn't really happen. And John, that's a good point. And I'm, I'm not saying ones on ones for four quarters of 15 minutes of action, but Blake Corum got tackled a few times, but they were, uh, that's the one thing I will say being down on the sideline, they were hitting for sure. Yeah. There is no doubt that they were smacking each other around. Donovan Edwards got tackled a few times. Um, you know, I mean, they're playing. I'm not saying run them into the ground and play only the starters for four quarters. Like, you know, it's a battle for the big 10 championship. That's not what I'm saying, but I think it would be really cool to see the ones against the ones for a little bit. And I don't know. I, I saw someone else, Jason right there. Why would you give film? Dude, there's 14 games of film from last year. What do you mean? Like, you know, teams aren't going to get anything new this year from watching 15 snaps during a spring game when the whole roster is not even on campus or available for, to play yet jj's not playing ronnie bell's not playing like just put the starters out there and let them get after it a little bit it'd be more fun for them ones on ones it'd be more fun for the fans certainly more fun for analysts and for people like us to break it down a little bit because i'll be honest man i try to do five takeaways after the game and i'm like dude i think like four of these aren't even going to matter in the fall so who cares i was going to say i think evan makes a good point that they've you know a lot of people are looking at those first four as, as well, an, ex an extension of spring so maybe that was why there wasn't a need to push it Fair enough. Fair enough. The first three games for sure. And then, yeah, Maryland kind of too. Michigan beats them by 45 in college. Park not Maryland's trash. They, I'm not, we're not, not going there with Maryland. They yeah. are a guaranteed L, a walking L. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just me being picky. Like I said, I enjoyed the day, had fun at the stadium, was awesome to see the, you know, the, just the stadium again and the team out there again, warm and up and, it was Can great, I, but based on what's happened, what was going on before and, and almost immediately after we were blessed with some phenomenal weather to go out and yeah, watch the football yeah. because it has been shitty outside almost ever since. Yeah. Um, so there you go. I mean, it, it was, it was, uh, the, the, the five takeaways that I did have Chris, and we'll just touch on them briefly. I put it up after the game on Saturday. Uh, so that's been on the website for a few days now, but, um, one of them that that I think stood out to most people was Mike Sainer still actually looked like a freaking DB that you could play often this year if you wanted to. He didn't look out of he didn't look uncomfortable at all. He didn't look out of position at all. And he still got quite a few snaps at wide receiver. So I don't know, man. How are we gonna actually see Mike Sainer still play some corner this fall? I think so. I mean, he looks like a comfortable veteran, no matter what side of the ball he's out there on. And I was down there on the sideline watching him go through warm-ups and 
he looks the part, man. So I don't know. He's moving around well. He, he doesn't. There. I don't think he's great at any one thing, but I don't think there's any deficiencies in his game on either side of the ball. And so I certainly think you're going to see Sainer still probably a lot more than we saw him last year, just because of what he's going to be able to do and what type of impact he can make wherever on the field for Harbaugh. Yeah. Is it, is he a true boundary corner? Is he a more of a nickel guy? Is he a spot? I mean, I don't know. You know, do you roll him out there when you need two or three extra DBs in certain passing situations? I'm interested to see that. So that was one thing coming out of the spring game. I'm like, all right, I think there's some relevancy there for the fall. I think that's something that's going to factor in. You've got a new DC. You've got some new things that everybody's working out there. So I think that's uh, I think that's interesting and something worthwhile and worth paying attention to. The second thing that stood out to me was Kalel Mullings at running back. 6'1", 235, 240 pounds, didn't look slow. Uh, he led uh, the Mays team with 36 yards. He had a 21-yard scamper outside. Looked comfortable at running back. I remember back as a recruit, he was a pretty high-level running back recruit. There were teams that recruited him only as a running back. Michigan was kind of both, and then he settled in at linebacker, and that's where he's played since he's been in Ann Arbor. Here's another question, though. Is this something we are actually going to see? Are we going to see Kalel Mullings in short yardage and goal line situations? And I ask that because sounds good, right? Athletic guy, 240 pounds. He looked the part. But if you're going to give him the ball, that means you're taking out Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards. And I, I was going to say, I never that's what you want to do. Yeah. You, you know who else looks good in that room is Blake Corum, <laughs> Donovan Edwards, Dunlap. I, I think, you know, maybe that's, maybe that is a, you know, something they're exploring with him if it's, if it becomes a need during the season. But that's one of those position groups where they, they just seem stacked and they've got enough guys at that position where it seems like it's already going to be hard to try to divvy out enough carries to, to get everybody fed. So, yeah, I can't imagine that they're going to add a fourth running back to the rotation, but um, if somebody gets injured or they need a special short yardage package or something like that, knowing that you've got an extra weapon, another guy on the offensive side of the ball who can come in and do something where there's not going to be a lot of film on him, that never hurts. I was impressed. I thought he looked pretty good, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of looking, I'm like, number 20, who is, oh, that's Mullings. What's he, what's he doing carrying the ball? All right. Um so we'll see. We'll see what that looks like in the fall. Number three that I came up with, dude, Darius Clemens. Dude's a dude. You drafted him. Nice pick. 6'3", 205, in the number zero jersey. Looks like a created player out there. That's like you get off the bus with your skill, guys. Darius, you go first. You 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 go first and lead us out there. Like, Dude looks like a man. Now, granted, I don't even know the guy's name that he scored the touchdown against. Number 44, linebacker. He's like 5'9", 230. He runs like a five It was still one. a hell of a catch. It was a hell of a catch, and he looked great all day just on, on the hoof and everything like that. You liked everything you saw out of him. So, all right, you've got Darius Clemens. You've also got Ronnie Bell, A.J. Henning, Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson. Maybe Mike Sane was still a little bit. Oh, Andrew Anthony. Oh, Christian by the Christian, way, yeah. who was there last year, and then also Amorian Walker and Tyler Morris in the class with Clemens. Does, does Clemens get Plus, rest? Like, where do you, when? Like, how much is this dude gonna play? Because it looks like he needs to. Well, let's not forget that Donovan Edwards is also out there making deep, you know, yeah. deep grabs, and so I think couple versatile tight ends. I mean, this, this offense, they, they've got to shift to like a Texas tech style offense. I just, I <laughs> look, there's too many damn weapons to not have them on the field and use them. And I get the whole, like, look, if Michigan, you, and we know what's going to happen. Michigan's going to be able to go through the four, the first four weeks, probably running the ball 40 times a game and, and dominating. And, and that's fine. But I just, I look at you, know, all the guys that you just 
you know, named off. And I just like that to me is firepower. And that to me is how you get like, obviously you want to win big 10 championships and obviously beating Ohio state means everything. But I think, I don't know. I just, I find it hard to believe that you're ever going to get a national title if you can't go out and just sling the damn ball all over the field when needed. And, and that's one element, even though they've been great, that's one element to this football program that we just haven't seen ever during the Harbaugh era. You've never seen, you know, a Michigan team that can come out at will and just carve up a secondary. Yeah. And, and that, <clears throat> excuse me. And I feel like they've got it now. I feel really like they've got it. I feel like they've got the quarterback to do it. They've got the personnel. They've got the weapons to do it. If not now, you know, what, what do we do? Why, why are we bringing these guys here so that they can block on the perimeter? That room is loaded, dude. Loaded. And to piggyback on that, obviously, Darius, Darius Clemens, incoming true freshman, early enrollee. I thought a few of the other guys stood out. I mentioned Will Johnson already in that number two jersey, dude, with the yellow gloves and the visor. He just, he just looked ready. To, I'm like, I don't even – I think the game hadn't even started yet. I just looked at him like, going to be hard not to start that guy. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I just think he's going to be super, super good for Michigan. And he's six foot three. He can cover. He can run. He can tackle. He's super smart. I, I just think he's got future captain probably written all over him. So we'll see what that looks like. I mentioned Derek Moore already, 6'4", 250. That number eight just looks good on him. He's put together. He looks athletic and fast. I mentioned both of those guys already a little bit. Orgy looked like a true running threat at quarterback. I mean, we're probably not going to see him this fall, I, I don't think, but uh, maybe. I mean, maybe he just is so effective at running the ball. They put him out there a little bit. We'll see. But two- is he is he what they said Dan Valari might have been? The new Taysom Hill? Yeah, we'll see, man. 6'2", 226. And he's got a, he's got a cannon, too. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much he's going to throw it as a true freshman, but he he's it's flick of the wrist type of thing for him, and it's down the field. So he was impressive. Um, well, impressive looking. He was only one for seven on the day. He wasn't real accurate with it. And he's you know he's got to learn that a little bit, but he's got all the physical tools. And uh, Colson Loveland made a nice play on the on the trick pass from from Eric All thirty one yard catch. You can see he's a little thin still at two thirty, but you can see the athleticism, the the length the frame, the catch radius. So a lot of these true freshmen that are on campus already look pretty darn good. Uh, and there's others. Those were just a few that kind of stood out a little bit. And um, I don't know, man, that class finished pretty well, you know, top eight, top 10, somewhere in there. And I think you're going to see a few of these guys, right? I mean, you're going to have to, a few of the ones that flashed on, on Saturday, I would imagine. And there's probably always a surprise or two, from the guys that'll get here in June and then they just kind of pop up and they really make a splash in the fall. David Ojabo, perfect example. You know what right. I mean? Nobody saw that coming. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, I just can't see, I can't see keeping weapons like that on the sideline. I just, it, to me, it does not compute the wires in my brain. It doesn't make sense. And like, I get that, you know, people love to run the ball and, and I understand it. And it got Michigan very, very far last year. Uh, even when guys like uh, you and I didn't didn't think it could, but I I just again I look at the roster, name the guys off you just named off, and I want to see them with the ball in their hands. I want to see you know a Michigan offense go out and put up fifty in the first half just because they can drop back and and carve up a defense and throw it all over the field. They've got those guys to do it. And last but not least, I think I think Jalen Harrell's poised to be a dude. yeah. I yep. think he flashed, man. I mean, he didn't play a ton. He, you know, in a spring game, you're not going to stack, you know, you're not going to stuff the stat sheet, but he kind of did. He had three tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, 
um, tackle for law. He just looked like a man, dude. He look, he's got the 32 jersey. He looks like a big ass running back, just running around yeah. out there being athletic and being fast. And I, I like how he played. And that would be like an Ojabo type leap from what he did last year, contributing a little bit, showing that athleticism. He made, I mean, he made more plays in his second year than David Ojabo did. Yeah. And so I don't know what kind of leap he's going to take. It's going to have to be a substantial one to get on the field and really make an impact, but he looks ready to me. Uh, well, and, and another guy that, uh, playing the same position that looks ready is Mike Morris. That dude looks like, like if you were, uh, if you were going to do a creative player in college football for like a, like a defensive end and you just wanted him to look like a, like a bad, you know, it would look like Mike Morris. The dude just physically, he looks like he should be the best edge rusher in college football. And again, the good news about it is, Aiden Hutchinson laid out the blueprint on how to, you know, how to get yourself there. And it doesn't mean everybody's going to have the same, you know, genetics or whatever it takes, but, but the bottom line is there's a blueprint there. And I think he's a guy that if he follows it can make a really, really big splash this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, there's, you know, at least two guys are going to have to in that front, in that front seven, Yeah, you know, step up in a major way to replace everything that they lost. I mean, whether you were a, whether you were a huge Josh Ross fan or not, you can put him out there anytime and be, and feel pretty good about it. He's limited athletically and he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but smart, like smart and he made yeah. plays. He's solid at, at tackling in the open field. Of course, Ojabo and Hutchinson, a guy like Chris Hinton, again, not a huge, huge playmaker for Michigan, but that's a 315 pound athlete who's going to be playing on Sundays next year. So there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to have to step up in that front seven. And, you know, I think Harold and, and, uh, and Morris certainly kind of, might be one a and one B in terms of guys who look ready, the most ready. Yeah. Taylor Upshaw's played quite a bit of football before, but you know, you, and this isn't to say that it can't, but you're kind of like, all right, if it hasn't clicked yet, like why would it now that, you know what I mean? I think that's fair. He still could end up being a very solid contributor this year. So we'll maybe, maybe it didn't click last year because he had two first rounders playing in front of him. No doubt. Just needs more reps, needs to be yeah. on the field more, and it just wasn't going to happen last year. So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks to answer in that front seven. There's some in the back in the back four, too, in the secondary, certainly along the O-line. Not so much along the O-line in terms of, like, do they have guys? It's just, like, where? where? Yeah. That's pretty much it. I mean, I, I feel like they've got five, six, maybe even seven dudes who could play that offensive line, and now it's just about finding the best five in their best spots and putting them out there and you know, that's the, that's the job tasked to Sharon Moore. And if last year's any indication, you should have the utmost confidence in Sharon Moore being able to do that. Chris, tell your JJ McCarthy story down on the field you're oh. around with your camera, right? Dinking around right. with my camera, trying to get the damn thing to focus. JJ's kind of running around. He's, you know, he's saying, saying hi to the people in the stands, signing a bunch of autographs and, you know, just said hi and, and kind of caught up briefly in, uh, you know, talked about the interview. It was good to see him or whatever. I asked if he was going to be throwing the, I knew he wasn't going to be playing, but I was just wondering, are we going to get to see him throw the football? He said, no, but he did say 15 days. So he gave me like a very definitive leg. I was like, Oh, 15 days. He's probably got that sucker circled on his circled. I'm sure yeah. he does. And so, you know, I heard that I, you know, I, I mentioned something to you about it. And then afterwards I'm like, I wonder if like, you know, is, is I doubt he's out there giving me top secret information, but I wanted right. to confirm with him just to make sure it was okay. So shot him a message. I was like, Hey man, you told me 15 days. Like, you know, that puts us to this date. Is that cool if we run with it? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So 
and for anybody who thought that, you know, JJ was going to be, you know, this was going to be like a, a long-term deal that would hamper him into fall. It sounds like there's going to be plenty of time for him to, to get into fall camp ready uh, to compete for the starting job. And it's just crazy to me that people counted him out. I know there were the rumors about, you know, potentially needing surgery and that would be, you know, a bit of a game changer, but we've spent enough time around this kid to know that, if he can play, he will play and, and he'll play really, really, really good. And so my money is still on him to lock up that starting spot. Here's the, here's the deal. He is so talented, so driven, so focused that missing spring ball is not ideal. That's not great for a kid trying to take over from a guy who just won the big 10 championship and won 12 games and was, you know, wherever your opinion is at and Cade McNamara, the dude, he won a bunch of games. So you're going to have to be pretty special or pretty damn good to unseat him. And I think JJ is, and and he thinks he is, that's the most important part. So he's going to be confident. He's going to be in the film room. He's studying, even though he's not throwing live. I mean, dude, the, the kid's arm is just so live. He's just got, he's just got such an arm talent that he'll be fine. If, and this, this is the, if, and I talked about this with Jamie Morris on the radio a little bit ago, Chris, and I want to get your take. Here's, here's the deal. And you mentioned it as well. You mentioned no surgery. Coach Harbaugh said they're taking this, you know, this, this rest approach and this, uh, you know, not going under the knife type of thing. Here's the deal. Surgery blows, but it fixes stuff. I mean, at least that's what it's designed to do. Like you tear an ACL, you rupture an Achilles, you, you break a collarbone, whatever. You get surgery, you're out, like really out, out, out. You're not doing shit for a while. But when you come back, it's fixed. And if you can get past it mentally and the surgery was a success, typically you're good to go. Like you're, you're good. My only worry is that something like this immediately flares back up and is nagging when he gets into the fall camp and starts really whipping the ball around a little bit. I don't know what the exact injury is. We didn't learn that. We're not going to be told that. But to me, when you're just trying to take like a preventative approach and just hoping that it gets better with rest a little bit, I'm just, I just find myself being scared that it's not going to go away. And I'm wondering, am I just, am, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what the hell I might be. That might be the dumbest thing I've ever thought about, but in my brain, that's kind of how I compute it. At, at least when I hear about like a soft tissue type of injury where you just, need to rest it that when you ramp it back up, it might be an issue. I mean, what, what kind of thoughts have you had about JJ getting back after it and now less than two weeks? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think I, he's a premier player and not that other players don't get the same level of care, but I'm sure that there was a great deal of consideration sure. about, you know, like you said, to your I'll point, we experts upon experts, right. We, right, we yeah. don't know what the nature of the injury is. And for some injuries, I'm sure that the, 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 the better alternative is to not go in and do anything surgically. If the body looks like it can heal on its own and, and be better off that way. And so I trust, I mean, shit at the university of Michigan, granted, you know, we're not going to talk about the history, but I would say where Michigan is at now with sports medicine, I think he's probably getting the, the best care and, and getting the best type of advice. And so I feel good about it, but I also share that concern because I do think he is the bridge to getting this team over the hump. And so, yeah, I don't want to see it become a, a lingering nagging thing because I want him out on the football field and I want him to play. But like I said, I, I trust what the medical staff suggested there. And if he says he's ready in 15 days, which is what now you know, about 12, 12, 12 yeah. days now, then I mean, let's see it. I want to see it. Let's see him sling the ball. My, my biggest fear is just that like he wins the job he's playing and like 
first, you know, just in, in any. Case. Don't even do it. Don't even I put know, the energy dude, out there. Don't even I put know. that energy out there. I just want, I just want so much for that kid and that offense and all those. Oh, dude. I mean, they just have thoroughbreds, dude, everywhere. I just want everywhere. it to look like a damn, you know, like a, like a seven on seven tournament on offense. Yes. And it, I want it to be could and it should. It could and it should look like that. So that's awesome that he's going to be ready to come back that quickly. I mean, that's not far off of, you know, being ready to play in the spring game if he's fully ready to throw in 15 days. And, yeah, you know, that's going to be that's going to be player led workouts. And that's going to be, you know, J.J. and Cade getting some of their receiver guys together and throwing over the summer and workout teams with uh, workout sessions with the uh, strength and conditioning team. But. Yeah, it's not ideal to miss spring football and not be involved in live reps the whole way through and really getting after it. So, but I'm with you. I mean, if if there's a kid who's talented enough to do it and and driven enough to do it and focused enough and ready to take the reins, it's it's JJ McCarthy. And so we'll we'll see what that looks like. After JJ and Cade, is there another I don't know if it's a one-on-one battle or a, a positional battle or a spot where you're just like this is a guy that I really, I'm really anxious to see if he can take a hold of it and really own that spot. Is there any other position that even comes remotely close to having the intrigue and the battle that that we're seeing at quarterback? Yes and no. Yes, because it's got two equally talented guys. No, because I think you know it's it's not as it's not the same as like a quarterback where only one guy is going to be out there for the majority of the game. I think it's Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Yeah. I think everybody sees Donovan Edwards what he's able. Right. What he's able yeah. to do in the passing game. But, you know, the guy's a hell of a runner. And we talked, you know, during the interview when when did the sit down interview with him, he said that that was the most difficult part was the seasoning of reps and a sprinkle <laughs> here and a sprinkle there. And so that's a kid that wants to be on the field and, and should be on the field because he's that good. And so is Blake Corum. And so, again, how do you how do you balance that? And what does that look like? I'm really intrigued now that Hassan Haskins isn't part of the equation. I'm really intrigued to see what that duo looks like. Yeah, that's it's just it's it's a good problem to have, but it's also like I mean, it's just like what we talked about earlier. If Donovan's out there carrying it, then Blake's not, and vice versa. And you're like, well, yeah. damn. I mean, lesser of two evils, or like which one? You know, you ride the hot hand, and that I think it went really well last year with Haskins and Corum, and then even Edwards got sprinkled. I in mean, Edwards. don't forget what Corum was a dark horse Heisman candidate yeah. after like week he three or crushing. four. I mean, he was tearing everything up, and then obviously you know, the injury slowed him up, got into big 10 play and things kind of fell off a little bit. And so I think that's a guy, I mean, you know, somebody that's going to enter the season. I, I've heard people say, well, you know, how does Michigan keep that chip on their shoulder after so much success? I think Blake Corum is a, is a guy who's coming into this season with a big chip on his shoulder, because I feel like he got a taste or the, the, you know, the world got a taste of what he can do and, and, and was so close to popping off a lot, but man, if he can stay healthy for the full year, I think that kid can do something special. And he's going to play a lot. I mean, you have to have more than one running back anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's just the nature of that position and that's two really freaking good ones. And they had two really good ones last year and three really when, you know, Donovan Edwards is thrown out there and, I mean, anytime a player, you know, can have a game like he did against Maryland, it's just like, all right, well, imagine if he was getting 45 snaps a game, you know, what right. it would look like. And it's going to be closer to that this year. Both of them are going to are going to play a lot and it's a physical position and you you knock on wood and hope they can stay healthy. But if one is a little ding, then you go to the other one heavy for a couple of weeks. We saw that with Haskins and Corum last year. So, yeah, that is an interesting one. It's it is. You're right. It is different because we they, we're going to see them both. It's not like one or the other. 
necessarily in that spot, but it, it is, you know, Mike Hart's got to figure that out. Uh, you know, Sharon Moore is going to be involved in that as the OC. Um, and obviously coach Harbaugh as well, just figuring out, you know, is it a, you know, is it close to a 50 50 with those two? I mean, is that, is that what they're going to try? I mean, how would you or, approach that? I was going to say, or do you move Edwards more to like, do you start to utilize him more in the slot? But if you do that, I mean, you got guys like AJ Henning and Roman Wilson and you've got, you know, yeah. there's just, I, I just, I'm excited to see what it looks like. And like I said, unless they do something like Texas tech where they've got, you know, five wide and just weapons everywhere. It sucks because a lot of that talent's going to be watching from the sidelines on most of the plays. And so you just hope that, you know, I don't know. I, it doesn't matter because there, no matter how much success there is, I always just want it to be flashy. I want it to look good. I want it to, I want to be interested when I'm watching the game. Of course I want them to win and get in the W. We want, we want to flip the channel after the Michigan game and be like, what the hell is this? Right. Those guys can't move the ball. Offense? They can't even move Instead, the ball. Instead, even last year when Michigan's winning 12 games, it was like, God, Michigan doesn't even play offense anywhere near like what this team does. And it's not like you're watching some phenomenon. It's like Ole Miss, but they're just out there yeah. just, whoosh, you know, and, and it, just, it looks like a different sport. Yeah, I hear you. Well, that that's, I mean – I don't know. We just covered 40 minutes damn near of that spring game that I called boring at the beginning. So I guess that, I guess we got, boring. I guess we got more out of it than I thought. And, and, and you know, I'm being a, a little facetious when I say, God, it was so boring, but I would love to see ones on ones for at least a little bit. you hit on it. Other teams have done it that way before. I get why they went maze versus blue and drafted the teams. That's great for the team itself and for the competition, but would have loved to see some ones on ones and see what it really looks like out there a little bit, but now we'll have to wait until the fall. You said that you had some things you wanted to throw at me from a story that you put together or just some questions that you came up with. I'm, I'm ready, dude. I've been holding this ball all well all just for this moment. It, it does kind of go in line with what we were talking about just now that, you know, we talk about all the offensive power, all the offensive weapons uh, that Michigan currently has. And so as I was thinking about that, I, I went and looked at like some of the offensive records that, that, you know, Michigan has where like, you know, quarterbacks for touchdowns in a season or rushing touchdowns in a season, That's whatever the case may be went through it. And I thought, you know what? Like, I know Michigan has had some greats throughout the years, but I'm looking at this roster and I'm looking at what's possible. And there are, it seems like a lot of offensive records that could be in jeopardy in 2022. Hmm. So I figured I would go through some of them and ask you based on your knowledge, current knowledge of the Michigan roster, which record do you think is in most jeopardy offensively of being broken in 2022? So let me, let me, let me start with the quarterbacks first. I'm going to start with quarterbacks. So the Michigan record for quarterback in a single season for completions is one Mr. John Navarre with 270 completions in the 2003 year. Now, as a comparison, last year, Cade McNamara had 210 completions in 2021. So the record all-time is 270. That is embarrassing. Isn't that crazy? That is embarrassing. I and, mean, I and, know, and I know McNamara, they and McNamara with two with 210 isn't even in the top 10. He's not even listed in the top 10. So it's a very so, so there's, so there's completions. You've got that written down, right? Now let's move to the next quarterback stat. This I is I didn't write it down. I was actually seeing that's only twenty. The record, the all-time record at Michigan is about twenty a game. There you go. So there you go. So it's not a lot. It's not a no. lot. No. All right. So, so that's where we're at with completions. 
for yards, most all-time in a single season. Once again, is John Navarre with 3,331 yards in a single season. That was 2003. Again, as a comparison, last year, Kate McNamara finished the year with 2,576 passing yards. So about 800 less than Navarre, who's the all-time leader single season. So Navarre's all-time leading season throwing the ball is about 256 yards a game. There you go. Moving on, moving on. Now this is so the many one. quarterbacks in the country would be like, I just shit the bat in that game. Touchdowns, fifty-six. I know touchdowns, this. and you know oh. what this one is, but we'll 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 go over it just for for sake of what we're doing here. Most touchdowns in a single season all time. It's tied with Gerbach and Henny at twenty-five apiece. Most recently, as a comparison, Cade McNamara had fifteen touchdown passes in twenty twenty-one. So those are the records for the quarterbacks. Now I'm going to move on to. Running back, and then I'm going to move on to wide receiver. We'll go quickly, and then you tell me which of these records you think is going to be broken. So next, okay. running back for a season. Most yards all time in a single season. Tim Biaka Batuka, 1,818 yards in 1995. As a comparison, last year, Hassan Haskins ran for 1,327 yards in 2021. So less than 500 yards away from... Michigan's greatest all-time single season, which is crazy to me. That, that's that's pretty damn impressive, actually. Now hold on. Now talk through that a little bit because my phone just died, and I got to pull up. I got to pull up the article now online. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's what we talked about all last year. They ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball for six weeks. We didn't even know if Cade McNamara had a right arm, and so correct. Yeah. You know that's impressive though because the running back position isn't isn't the focal point anymore, and Michigan had two really good ones. And it's like running back by committee is much more common now. Like, dude, Bianca Batuka used to carry the ball. Like, in Mike Hart, same way. Tyrone Wheatley, same right. Like, 35 times a game. Like, often. Yeah. And so, it's just a different game. The reason, the reason why those passing numbers are such a, like, I hate calling them a joke, but, like, it's because it's such a different game. For those records to still be standing from 2003, Dude, 25 touchdown passes in a season is still the record. That is comical. That is it's, ridiculous. It's wild. That's wild, especially I mean, when you consider that Dwayne Haskins threw 50, what, in 2018? Joe Burrow had 60 a couple there, of years. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, granted, that's, like, arguably the best offensive season in college football history, but, like, we're talking so, about tripling up damn near the record at Michigan. Yeah, so yards, I mean, it's not like it's unattainable. 18-18 for Bianca Batuka, 13-27 for Hassan Haskins. Now, touchdowns, it's even closer. Most all-time is Elbert. I can't even say this guy's name. Dude played in 1902, but he had 26 <laughs> rushing touchdowns. I don't even know if they were counting rushing touchdowns back in 1902, but that's the most all-time. Most recently, Hassan Haskins had 20 last year. Yeah. So the most all-time at Michigan is 26. Hassan Haskins had 20. That's it for the running backs. Now we're going to go to the wide before, receivers. Before you shift be to receiver, I, I honestly sure. just feel like these running back records are not going to be broken. It's just no. So, okay, so the too, 20, okay, 26, 20. It's too different of a game. You know, like Haskins, I'm not taking away from what he did, but like I, I think I think this season was, I mean, like a perfect storm for him to have the couple, you know, to have the five touchdown performance against Ohio State. And for Blake Corum, to get dinged and miss some game. I just don't think, I just don't think those, I just don't think those records will ever be broken. 
Well, I mean, I, I agree, but, uh, you know, because of Michigan has a lot of weapons and you're right. I think it's a different game nowadays, but if Michigan wants to do this run heavy type thing, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, see. we'll see, we'll see what it turns into. Lastly, we'll go to the wide receivers and we know that Michigan's loaded at receivers. So some of these might be in danger, although I think this one's pretty safe for receptions, most all time in a single season. You've got Mr. Braylon Edwards with 97 in 2004. As a comparison, most recently, Cornelius Johnson finished 2021 with 40 receptions. So less than half wow. of what, and, and that was top. That was, that was Cornelius Johnson was top leading receiver uh, in receptions for Michigan in 2021 with 40. Next one is yards. Most all time in a single season is Jeremy Gallon, who had 1,373 yards in 2013. Most recently, again, as a comparison, Cornelius Johnson, leading receiver for Michigan in 2021, with 627 yards on the year. Uh, touchdowns, most all-time in a single season. You know the guy, the GOAT, Desmond Howard. He had 19 touchdowns, reception touchdowns in 1991. Most recently, as a comparison, Michigan's leading receiver, Cornelius Johnson, had three in 2021. Three compared to Desmond Howard's 19 in 1991. So out of all of those records that I listed, those single season records, what do you think is in most danger of being broken in 2022? Touchdown passes. Has to be. Even with McNamara? Or are you banking on the fact that he won't be there? It's he, gotta had 15, be JJ he had 15 starting. last year and they won a Big Ten championship. It's got to be J.J. McCarthy starting and he has okay. to throw 30 touchdowns. Period. Like, let's do it. Let's get it going, man. Let's drop 50 burgers on people often and be cruising into the fourth quarter. Um, shit, I mean, they kind of did that this year, just running over people. That's the, that's the weirdest right. thing. I mean, week after week, you and I would sit down and talk about, like, can they throw? When are they going to be able to flip? They're not going to be. A, oh, they just did it again. Well, but the, no, dude, they got to be. A, Oh, they just That's why I'm saying, are those just, rushing, yeah, are those man. rushing numbers really untouchable? Given, you know, I mean, I don't, I feel like Michigan's going to need to score more points in 2022 overall than they scored in 2021. That's true too. The defense. I feel yeah. like they're going to need more points because the defense has taken a bit of a hit, and I don't know that you're going to get more than 15, you know, 15 to 17 touchdowns out of Cade McNamara. I feel like you need a quarterback that can get you 25 to 30, and if you have a quarterback like that, guess what? That would be the greatest single season ever in the history of Michigan football, and it's attainable. I, I just think, like, I mean, you you might need to read them to me again. Like, Haskins had a just an incredible year, and he still wasn't really like that close to those rushing records. Well, he was five hundred. Like, he was less than five hundred yards short on the overall rushing. That's like another four games worth and I mean, six touchdowns yeah, off. But I, again, nineteen oh two. Who yeah. know? I don't know what they were doing in nineteen oh two. They weren't throwing the ball. That's one thing. That's true. Doing. They were not. So I just don't think those numbers are going to, you know, I mean, you would need like a, just a generational type of talent at running back that you just horse for 30 carries. a game. You don't, you don't think we're going to get a dude with 97 receptions this year. No, nope. <laughs> nope. it's gotta be the touchdown passes to me. We've gone through that. We've looked at that list before you and I, and we've talked about that, that 25 number. And to me, that is just the most puzzling number by far when you go through and you look at the history of Michigan football, how has there not been a quarterback to throw more touchdown passes than that in a single <laughs> it season? Take, it would take Cornelius Johnson seven years to get to Desmond. <laughs> like, come on, man. I mean, I, that's, I know that was last year was kind of weird because Bell was the number one guy and he goes down and they didn't hardly throw the ball for like five weeks. Um, 
that number is crazy though. That Cornelius Johnson led receivers with all led all receivers last year with three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Three. Come on. Come on, three, man. Three. How can your leading receiver on a Big Ten championship team only have three touchdown receptions? It just doesn't sound right. I mean, if I'm a receiver, I look at that and I'm like, oh, Michigan offered? <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 like the, they, I like the uniforms, but I know they that. won. I know they won a Big Ten title and made the playoff, but dude, like, receivers want to catch balls and score touchdowns. And I, I don't know. Like, okay, if Ronnie Bell's the number one guy and he's your he's your go-to this year, like, is he is he even can you even feasibly see a scenario where he catches 10 touchdowns? I mean, I can see it. A lot of it's because of those first four games. Like I feel like somebody could go a Ronnie bell could go off and have, you know, four or five touchdowns in the first four weeks. I could see that happening, but it seems like a long shot. Seems yeah. like a long shot. So, yeah, I would say the quarterback numbers because the way that offenses are run this year and like, I don't know, Brett. That's dude. That those are for for the nineteen ninety one to be the catching the receiving touchdown record and early with, with only nineteen though. It's not like that's a you know I, it's nineteen. That's a touchdown. pretty. That's a pretty it's, good number. It's a, it's a great number. I'm saying it's not. It's not like it just none of the records as I was going through. None of them seemed like Jesus. That will never be. That's not attainable outside of Braylon Edwards having ninety seven receptions. That's that's an incredible oh, number. Oh, in oh, three, oh, four. Right. Yeah. yeah. Gallon's number is really respectable. Almost 1,400 yards. I mean, that's a big number for a wide receiver. It's, side note, that guy might be the most underrated, undervalued, you know, former Michigan football player in the history of the program. That dude put up some moss. I think he holds the record for most yards receiving in a single game as well. He had that game against Indy where he went so. off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think honestly, only the quarterback ones are even remotely in remotely in danger for this season. I, there's no receiver that's going to touch any of those numbers. See, Running back, that, I just don't see it anymore. That's what's crazy to me is we we spend all this time talking about just how potent this offense could be, and you look at those numbers and none of them look daunting, and it's like, but none of them even I don't even think any of them would be touched. No, I don't think any, I personally don't think any of those numbers will change by the end of the season. None of those names at the top of the list will change by the end of the season. Even that 25 touchdown passing. Even so none, it's the same that just keep the, keep the record book behind the glass. Might as well. Yeah. Unless, unless there is a dramatic shift in philosophy from Sharon Moore and Matt Weiss in terms of how they want to move the ball. It's not going to happen. I mean, think about what it would have taken for Cade McNamara to throw 11 more touchdown passes last year. I mean, given, given what you'd have to have, a, you'd have to have a really live arm and wear number nine, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I think if you, if JJ is your quarterback, the offense does change dramatically and the, and the play callers are like, well, let's do that. Let's do yeah. that with him. You know, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, you don't want to you don't want to pound square pegs into round holes. You want to form your offense around what your guys can do. And so, you know, if it is if it is JJ at quarterback and you've got all those weapons all over the place, man, you better be spraying it around the lot. Have to. You have to. You have to. And I, I know people might say like, well, then expect a couple more losses because look at why. Why would why would that mean? Why would that be less effective or, you know 
lead to lead to less wins than what or, we saw. Or expect a couple more blowouts that otherwise would have been close because Michigan was struggling to score the ball. You know what I mean? Like if you like a Rutgers you, win by seven might be right. by twenty five if you can. If you can come out in the first quarter and you can air it out and put 21 points up on the board real quick, just because you've got superior athletes outside, which Michigan will, uh, the, the, I think about it. How many games will Michigan take the field this year where the athletes they've got lined up out wide are superior than the guys covering them? All of them, except for one, like every, every game, except for one, every single game, they've got the advantage except for one. So there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to just go out there and carve up a secondary. But again, I think that's going to depend on who's under center and, and what that philosophy looks like. That is, that's an interesting, that's an interesting look. I like that, Chris. I like that. That was fun. It was a great story. <laughs> oh, do I have it? Do I have it? I have that, right? That's a great oh, story. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's a great question. It was fun. Oh, but yeah, it still, it still plays. It still plays. What happened to him? He was like a hit for a minute. Now he's right back on the farm being a dad. I just wanted to hit that button one time because we did our draft last week. And I up. totally forgot about it. Totally oh, forgot about it. Sucks when you find a really good drop and then you just massage you the feet. <laughs> Get it. All right. Well, we're nearing an hour. We're nearing yeah. an hour. There's a couple basketball things, but maybe we can wait on that a little bit because some of it's just going to be. Brandon Johns is deciding to tra- has decided to transfer. That's like the concrete news. The other thing I had written down to talk about was the, the future of Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, Hunter Dickinson. They've, they've got some stuff to figure out. Um, and so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more next week when we can scrape together some more information and they've got some more time to think about it. We can see if there's any smoke. Uh, but those, those three dudes do have some stuff to figure out. Michigan basketball's got some stuff to figure out. But Brandon Johns Jr. announced that he will be transferring. And, um, you know, I hope he finds a spot where he can play a lot and, you know, has a has a, a solid final season because it just never quite came together for him. And, and, I mean, that's and you John Beeline once called a lock to play in the NBA. Yeah, and, and you know what I think fans really need to understand is it's okay if sometimes if things don't work out and it's okay to wish sure. a guy well. And, you know, Brandon Johns, I think he gave whatever he could here and and just wish the kid luck elsewhere. Like, I don't understand when, when it's there's a weird or a guy yeah. commitment. They're like, yeah, get the hell out of it. Like, it's a weird up. energy. It's a weird yeah. energy. It's fine, man. He's he didn't I play. I promise you, he, I promise you, he wanted to be better at the University of Michigan. Nobody wanted him to be better more than him. And he had some good moments, man. He stepped up last year a lot of times when Isaiah Livers was out hurt. And this year, yeah. he didn't play very well, and he didn't play that much. But whatever, man. I mean, you know, it's, he didn't he didn't go out there and say like I'm gonna I'm gonna average three points this year. That's what I'm gonna do. And I don't care if Michigan fans don't like that. Moral of the story: Don't be a dick. Just don't, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. That's pretty much all I, you need to do. T-shirt, t-shirt idea. Don't be a dick. I like it. I like it. All right. We'll be back next Wednesday. Yeah, no TFG right now. Maybe we need to dig a little bit and find one. We need to I find got it. I don't got I don't got to dig very deep for mine, but we'll we'll have to save it for another show. Oh, you're going to you're going to do you're going to tease that right there. You're going to tickle the teeth like that. Tickle the te- I mean, I guess I could say it. Now listen to me. I'll tell you right now. If I see if I see one Mr. James Yoder in Ann Arbor. <laughs> I'm going to have words with that dude. I, that guy, this I don't guy. listen. I, you want to talk about TFG? I don't like his this voice. I don't like his face. I don't like his product. 
I don't like that he uses the distance and, and the proximity to be able to run. Look, at, if I see that guy in Ann Arbor, there's a confrontation coming between me and Mr. Yoder. Yeah, so we you don't can hide. You can hide, but I'm there. I'm there every Saturday in the fall. We typically if don't I see you coming for you. We typically don't go this route. We're, we're more, you know, we're lovers, not fighters. Chris and I, we're professional. We like good vibes. We like positive energy. Oh, fuck that guy. I hate that guy. That guy could suck a whole bag of dicks, a giant that. bag, because he put a whole show out there about me on YouTube talking about my family, talking about that I might have been into drugs, talking about that I might have been harassing people. Seriously, fuck that guy as, as much as you can fuck a guy. That's what I say about him. That's, that's about a drop. A, that's a drop. That's, a, that's about as strong as I've ever verbally said that's something. That's what I'm saying, Darren. I'm I'm, I'm, hey, look at you, You've seen, you know, Jawan, uh, Will Smith. You thought those were slaps. <laughs> no, I'll make sure we get this one recorded. You'll hear it in the stadium. I'm not going to talk about putting hands on a guy, but I'll talk shit. He made the list. He's on a he's on a list, and he they're rated that. E for they're they're rated fucking J for James Yoder. <laughs> this Hold might on. be the most f words we've ever had on a show, and it all happened. Just I told you, I told you, I didn't want to go there. Yeah, well, I like. I'm glad that we did. Look at I'm that. Now CJ's daughter is hearing yeah, all sorry, this nonsense. Guys. Sorry, guys. Well. <sighs> Usa. Let me rub my ear. Let me rub the lobes, dude. Lost the headset. All right. He told you to delete your account. I'm going to delete his face. <laughs> Next time I see him. I'm telling you. Uh, uh, Want to get well. me in that mode. All right. Well, everybody have a great day. Love and Pete. What was the speech Will Smith did after he slapped the shit out of Chris Rock? Is I'm a vessel of... Look. Love. I'm a vessel of peace, but I will slap the shit out of you. I'm a vessel keep, of love, Keep my dude. name out your mouth, Yoder. Keep my keep name out your mouth. My boy's name out of I'm not going to say it. Dude, he, he dropped that F-bomb F so hard. There was so much uh, so much energy on that F-bomb. I felt it in my soul. Yeah. So there you go. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll have something to talk about. I can't promise it's going to be as strong as this ending just was, but we'll we'll have something. We will have something. So keep it real. Keep it gangster. We'll see you on Wednesday. Take care, everybody.